Hello, friends, and welcome back to Speaking with Joy. You are listening to my special Advent series, and this week's episode will focus on the theme of the shepherd. And this week's episode features a very special guest, who to tell you about, I have to rewind to my childhood Christmases. Now, in my childhood, the week before Christmas was associated with the anticipation of a very special cardboard box. This box would arrive in the mail, and inside of this box would be dozens of tiny packages wrapped in six individual wrapping papers, one of which was each associated with each member of my family. And to find that out, there was a special key inside which indicated which wrapping papers um, belonged to each person. And we would open all of these packages, usually on Christmas Eve, and they would be delightful things. Uh, They'd be pencils, something fun to wear, something fun to eat. And this very special package, so personally wrapped and, um, and intricately taken care of, was for a very special person. And that is today's co-host with me, Gwynny. Gwynny was my mom's best friend and also her roommate in her time as a missionary in Poland uh, when it was still communist in the 70s. And their friendship became this thing that actually blessed our whole family um, in a way that now all of us kind of see Gwynny as an adopted aunt. And I'm so excited to share this week's episode with you. Firstly, because Gwynny is a marvelous and deep soul whose thoughts and ponderings and dear, gentle uh, Southern accent will bless you just by listening to them. But also because our story of receiving those packages reminds me of something else that I think is important to prepare our hearts for as we think about Christmas. And that's that those packages we got from Gwynny were not just a delight, they were also a necessary comfort in the loneliness that was often associated with our Christmases. So growing up, um, legend has it, by which I mean I don't remember um, many of these because I was young, our family moved 17 times and six times internationally, which meant that often holidays were associated with kind of a, a kind of ramshackle effort to make things fun and exciting because we were so far away from family. And sometimes that could be lonely. But Gwenny's presence arriving to us every year uh, was this kind of comforting thing that we looked forward to. It was a blessing in the midst of something that could often be a loneliness. And I think that that helps us remember that for many of us, Christmas is a season that often comes with some heaviness. Perhaps it's heavy because, like my family, we moved and you experienced loneliness or isolation. Perhaps it's heavy because family for you is not an easy thing. There might be dysfunctions or scars or hurt that every year going back to is kind of a difficult or painful thing, a reminder that all is not well, all is not healed. Perhaps it's particularly difficult because it's um, a first Christmas in which you remember a loss, someone you love who's gone. Perhaps it's difficult because of health or because of jobs or because of financial struggles. And going into Christmas um, can feel like a heavy thing and you can dread having to try to kind of drum up a happy spirit. But in some ways, I think it's precisely in that space, in that space of recognizing that the world is not as it should be, that we are weary sometimes, that we have heavy burdens, that we can feel most keenly what it means for Christ to come into our world. We remember in those moments of heaviness that it was precisely into this brokenness that Christ came. 
And that's what this episode is all about. Um, what I was so excited to share with Gwynny. Gwynny and I both laugh about the fact that we both like sad movies. And um, we even talk about a sad movie in this episode. But both of us feel the need to reckon with those heavinesses and those sadnesses. Um, but also knowing that there is comfort in that, that Christ comes close to us, that he is the shepherd who longs to carry us close to his heart and to care for us. And that is what this episode recorded with my dear deep Gwynny is all about. I hope that if you are walking into Christmas heavy hearted, this might be a little bit of a gift to you, that you remember that you are not alone that you're thought of, that you're remembered, that you're prayed for, and that you would experience some of that grace, some of Christ being the good shepherd to you who remembers you and holds you close to his heart. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's episode on Christ as the shepherd, featuring one of the best humans in the whole world, my dear Gwynny. Happy Advent, friends, and happy listening. Happy... Comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem, and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Behold, the Lord your God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Isaiah 40, 1 through 2 and 10 through 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy. You are coming to our third Advent podcast. I can't believe that we are, does that make us about two weeks away from Christmas, I think? And we have been thinking about the coming of Christ into the world, the incarnation, the coming into our hearts and anticipating his second coming and dwelling on how to prepare our hearts for that. And we've looked at the coming in the Old Testament. We've looked at Mary as the person who was the first to receive his coming. And this week we're going to talk about Christ as the good shepherd. And that's one of the things that the Old Testament teaches us to anticipate and something that's fulfilled through Christ. And I have the great delight of doing this podcast with someone who is very precious to me, and that is my dear friend, friend, auntie, um, spiritual mother in some ways, similar to my mama, Gwenny. So Gwenny, say hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> 
What an introduction. Huh? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so I am right now with Gwenny and her beautiful Aben house. And Gwenny, what does Aben house mean? It means uh, house of stone. It's both Hebrew and um, German. And that connects, the German bit connects, because of the history, the long history that Gwenny and my family have together. Um, and Gwenny, why don't I let you tell a little bit of that story, can you? Sure. Um, Sally, Joy's mama, and I were uh, roommates and co-workers with Campus Crusade for Christ in communist Poland in the late 70s. And uh, we were uh, pioneer missionaries and it was a very bonding time for us in friendship. We went through a lot of, uh, a lot of things together and just became lifelong friends. And uh, with time, as Sally married and had uh, four children, Joy being the last, um, I have taken each of the Clarkson children into my heart, and I am their auntie and their friend. And uh, I love having Joy here at my house in Kentucky. And uh, uh, she has uh, persuaded me to be part of her, <laughs> of her podcast today. Wayne <laughs> is very graciously acquiescing. Um, no, it's so lovely to be here, and it's hard even to begin to kind of describe the what it means to be at Wendy's house. Um, and we have both kind of been looking forward to this literally for years because we had intended to do this on my birthday several years ago. But life just kept um, taking over. And so finally this year, I said, I've, we've got to do this. So I got a ticket. And both of us, I know I feel this way, but I feel like I have kind of been living for this visit with you. And um, and I just wish I could describe to you the beauty of Gwynny's Haven House and the little, the little haven of light and rest and delight that it is. And we have been feasting and resting and having really great conversations too. And Gwenny and my mom, it's just amazing to hear them tell stories of their time in in Vienna and in Poland. And I remember as a little girl kind of growing up with those being kind of the stories of faith in my mind and wanted to grow up to be like Gwenny and my mama and wanted to grow up to be a, I don't know that I wanted to be a missionary, but I knew I wanted to be someone who lived a life of faith. Hmm. And, um, and something else, Part of the reason I wanted Gwenny to chat with me today is because she's somebody I I think of more than anyone when I think of somebody who has invested her life in scripture and in prayer and in thinking. And every time I'm with her, she's had something uh, that she's thought about, that she's been reading. And my, my growing up vision of my mama was I would always think of waking up in the morning and walking downstairs and seeing her with her little Bible open on her knees with her little cup of coffee. And um, that's very in my mind of my mama, but it's also in my mind of you. And I think you all kind of shared those years together and and developed some of those patterns and habits of being, do you think that's true? Well, uh, we had a lot of the same spiritual formation and uh, a lot of it was uh, just being missionaries in difficult circumstances, uh, working behind the Iron Curtain, and having to be um, uh, undercover about it. Yeah. And uh, there was just a, uh, 
I, I guess I could say desperation in, mm-hmm. in our need for the Lord and uh, and it really pressed us to him uh, individually and and was really part of our foundation as as young 20-something um, missionaries. Yeah, and I see that borne out richly. I've seen how much it's shaped both you and my mom's life. Mm-hmm. You've done different things. And yeah. Gwendy, why don't you tell them a little bit about what you've done in these last few years in... Wait, I have to say something first. I'm backtracking, okay. which okay. is... Okay. So my family moved a lot, as many of you know, and one of the places we moved back to was Tennessee in 2002, I think? Two. Summer. Summer of 2002. That's right. Gwenny is the one for remembering details and facts and stories. She's a great rememberer. And um, I, um, Gwenny had lived in, you'd lived in Vienna up until that point. Right. I'd been in, in Europe uh, with Campus Crusade for Christ for 24 years at that time. Wow. Uh, Poland and Vienna. And we found ourselves in Tennessee in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee. <laughs> Not Lebanon. We once asked somebody uh, when we were driving in, my mom needed a dress. She said, where's Lebanon? And they went, it's not Lebanon. Lebanon is in the Middle East. <laughs> uh, Leb- Lebanon. Lebanon. And, um, and Gwenny uh, moved back to take care of her mama, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, Larla, yeah. who, whose memory is rich in this house. Uh-huh. And, um, and we found ourselves two hours apart. It was wonderful. It's like... Uh, uh, Sally and, and family moved to Tennessee uh, a couple of weeks before I moved back from Europe, and they were actually the ones who picked me up at the airport. And so it was sweet to, uh, it was needful for me to be here uh, to help my mom, but it was so sweet to have Sally and Clay and all the kids uh, nearby. Well, and so for those, we only lived in Tennessee for about two and a half years after mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. but... I just, I miss the fact that we could drive two hours back and forth in between. And uh, Gwenny is a deep person, and I've said that, but she's also a great celebrator. And I have many happy memories of um, being a little girl here and <laughs> going from thing to thing. And I always liked that you treated me like a person, like uh-huh. an adult, uh-huh. um, even while treating me with the patience of being a child. And so anyway, we just had so many... Well, I, I will. I will say. Excuse me. Uh, no, go for it. You were someone to be reckoned with, even <laughs> as a seven and eight year old. Was I? <laughs> that's, that's why I gave you respect. Oh well, thank you, um, Gwenny. What's a what's a memory you have of those years? Uh, when uh, you and family were living in Tennessee, mm-hmm. I remember driving there for Easter with my mom, mm-hmm. and uh, my mom was elderly and. Uh, was beginning to have Alzheimer's and uh, but she uh, she loved the Clarksons and we loved her we uh, we just had a lot of visits back and forth mm-hmm. but I remember that that specific time and hiding eggs in the front yard and I remember that too I remember mm-hmm. that very vividly I remember talking with Larla and she always I always felt very interesting with uh-huh. Larla and I felt like she liked to hear my stories and um, <laughs> I, I remember walking past my mom's bedroom when Joy would visit as a little seven, eight-year-old. And Joy would be sitting on the bed, uh, and my mom was in her chair, and Joy would be talking and talking talking to her. <laughs> Joy is an extrovert, and my mom is, a, is an introvert and an elderly, quiet uh, 
woman with some dementia was just sitting there listening and I knew my mom loved it because she loved uh, young people, loved babies, kids, mm-hmm. young people. Well, and uh, I think it's it's funny. I remember those conversations with mm-hmm. Lila and I always remember she was just so sweet and she listened and I remember feeling happy that somebody listened to me because yeah. you know, when you're a little girl, <laughs> you want to have somebody, you know. Well, and as the fourth child. Well, as the fourth child, yeah. Um, <laughs> when I... And my family still now. Yeah. Uh, we we kind of don't believe in like waiting for people to end to speak and then starting again. People just kind of kind of jump over each uh-huh. other. And <laughs> recently, somebody jumped over me. No, oh my gosh, our family needs to stop interrupting each other. And my mom said, "Well, I, th- I think we just need to. I think you just need to talk louder." <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's a you know that's just a family culture. But mm-hmm. to have Larla just sit there and listen to mm-hmm. me, uh, I just loved it. And I knew also that I I knew that. Talking to her brought some happiness for her. Great happiness to have a seven, a sweet, cute little seven-year-old sitting there talking her ear off. And I did, and um, I think it's somehow fitting that now I spend a lot of my days just talking into the void for all these people <laughs> on this podcast. Anyway, so um, we could just talk for days about memories, but mm-hmm. I hope that gives you a small um, introduction to my Gwenny. I was when I was introducing you. I couldn't think of what to call you other than my Gwenny. That's fine. Because I was thinking who I am to you. Yeah, I was thinking it doesn't. You are my friend, but it's not quite right to just call mm-hmm. you my friend, Gwenny. Right. You're just my Gwenny. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I was telling people, they said, "Are you going home for Christmas?" And I'd say, "Well, first time going." And I kept saying to my aunt's house because mm-hmm. I didn't know. That's that, the that short. The most. It's the short answer. Uh-huh. Suitable. So anyway, today you have. Um, you have me and my Gwenny as mm-hmm. the hosts, mm-hmm. and we are going to talk to you about um, Jesus as the Good Shepherd and the ways in which we can prepare for that in Advent. And um, and we have some stories mixed in of our memories together. And it was funny because this topic, I was telling Gwenny, it doesn't. It's not necessarily one that you would always think about with Advent. You know, you think about you think about Mary. You think about light. But we think about Jesus as the shepherd more kind of later in the year when you think about Easter and about, mm-hmm. you know. But I, when I was thinking about these episodes and praying about what I wanted to talk about, um, I somehow came upon the Handel's piece, um, He Shall Feed His Flock. Gwen and I both could have sworn that it was He Shall Lead His Flock. <laughs> but it says feed. <laughs> it does say feed. And, um, and so I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about this more in a minute. But... You know, Handel's Messiah is, it's the story of, of anticipating Christ, the Old Testament, and the way that's fulfilled in the New Testament. And I, and I always associate Handel's Messiah with Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of just started coming into my mind. And I told Gwenny, I was thinking about in that passage, um, so it's passed from Isaiah, but then in the song, he connects it with, come all you who are weary and heavy laden. In Matthew 11. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew 11. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it just felt really important to do a podcast on this. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about Christmas, and I think that it's a beautiful and good time. Um, but it's also a time that can carry some heaviness for some of us, mm-hmm. whether that is because you have some internal heaviness of, um, of spirit or something you are, you're carrying or a sadness or a grief. Um, and... I think that knowing in this season that part of what we're receiving in Christ is the shepherd who 
who gathers the lambs into his mm-hmm. arms and comforts us mm-hmm. really matters and felt important to me to talk about. Mm-hmm. There's a tenderness and a, uh, a sense of, of safety yeah. um, and a protect, protection mm-hmm. uh, that I think comes to my mind when I think of Jesus being our shepherd. Yeah. But I think, I think you're right, Joy. I think at this time of year, uh, there's more uh, heartache than uh, culture would want you to believe. Yeah, and uh, so it's very appropriate to focus on where we go uh, with our, our sadness, our sorrow, our needs, our uh, insecurities. Yeah. Something I had talked about a couple weeks ago on mm-hmm. the podcast was about how Jesus is coming into the world, not even just his death and resurrection, mm-hmm. but his coming to me has always been one of the most important answers to the problem of suffering that we can't really exactly answer. But because it says that we can't understand sorrow or sufferings in some ways, but we know that God is not distant from it. Mm-hmm. That Christmas, the story of it is that we may not be able to pin prick and understand why there's evil or suffering in the world, why God would allow that. But what we do know is that God is not separate from us, that he mm-hmm. comes, that he's with us, that he, yeah. made, that he made himself vulnerable mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's just a, a very necessary thing to me. That's one mm-hmm. of the most compelling things about Jesus. And um, so let's kind of try to dig into this <laughs> okay. passage. Okay. Um, so do you think we should kind of read, do you want to maybe... Or I can read the whole little passage because I read the first verse and the the last verse, but I kind of think it helps to have this whole picture. Sure, I'll read the the whole thing. And uh, I did just notice that in the translation I'm using, it says tend. It doesn't say feed or lead. It says tend. tend. Well, there you go. (laughs) Okay, we'll go with tend for right now. Okay, Okay, Isaiah 40, uh, 1 through 11. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. And call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Call out. And he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is like grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, The flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, 
he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. I always think of that. In <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just going to say a few things I thought about when I was, okay. and things we've talked about. Yeah. If you have anything, just interject. Okay, dope. Um, I've always loved this passage when it's, that it starts with comfort, oh comfort my people. Speak mm-hmm. kindly to them. Uh, and tell them that, that their warfare is over. Um, and what happens here is this, the sense, you know, you've had in all of Isaiah of kind of this chaos that's been happening because of the sin of Israel and kind of the sense that they're receiving the judgment for some of their sins. Um, but then in this moment, God's coming and saying, okay, it's over. The warfare is over. And part of the reason the warfare is over is because God comes to rule, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's described. Uh, we were talking yesterday about um, the geography of Israel. Mm-hmm. And do you have anything to... Well, add? just I, I took a course there years ago in the history and geography of the Holy Land. And the geography has always been uh, important in the playing out of the story. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, look at a map, a topographical map of uh, of Israel, it's... Uh, uh, there's a north-south uh, mountain range, and to the east it goes down into the uh, Jordan River Valley, the Dead Sea, and to the west to the Mediterranean. It's very rugged, uh, very rocky, and uh, this language that, that Isaiah mm-hmm. uses uh, has a lot to do with, with where, where he was standing with his vantage point. Well, and we were talking about yesterday, too, about how no matter where you come to come to Jerusalem, you, you have to go up a hill. Go up to Jerusalem. And so when he says, uh, what is this? Let the rough ground become plain and uh, let every mountain be made low. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this, if you were there, I was telling Winnie, it would be the the mountainousness of it, although it's not mountains like I think of it, but the hilliness, the yes. ravines, uh-huh. would be so fixed in your mind that to say, let the mountains be made flat would mm-hmm. be for me like a Coloradoan, like mm-hmm. saying, you know, smash Pike's Peak, <laughs> you know, because uh, it's so part of our visual right, memory. Right. And so this, when you think about it, it's funny because you have comfort of comfort and that's this kind of gentle thing. But then in between you have all of this kind of mighty prophetic, um, kingly language mm-hmm. that says that the mm-hmm. glory of the Lord will mm-hmm. be shown. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's this picture, if you think of, of smashing mountains and, you know, all these things, and it says the glory of the Lord will be shown, will rule with his arm. Well, and it's a submission of, of creation to him. Yeah. Um, sort of um, cooperating yeah. Uh, to make, to pave the way for him. Yeah, and to make him king. That's, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what we... Hope mm-hmm. for is, is mm-hmm. for God to be king. And we were talking about that last week with Mary, about mm-hmm. how she invites the kingdom of God that's mm-hmm. different. Um, but then what's really striking to me is that it says all that, and then what it ends with, like the kind of the picture of this, of this kingliness, of this ruling, is then like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. It does seem like a shift from uh, God yeah. will come with might yeah. to 
he will gather the lambs. Uh, it reminds me, Joy, of uh, when I was in uh, college at the University of Kentucky. I uh, went with with the Campus Crusade staff woman who was discipling me, Barbie Layden. I went with her uh, to the Lexington Cemetery, the main cemetery mm-hmm. in Lexington. There are many beautiful uh, gravestones and statues there. Mm-hmm. And one that was her favorite, she wanted to show me. Mm-hmm. And it was a statue of Jesus seated. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a little child standing by him and he had his arm around her. And then there was another smaller child in his lap, sort of mm-hmm. nestled up against him. And uh, I thought of that when it, it says that he will um, carry them in his bosom. And it's yeah. like being drawn to him. And I remember Barbie saying uh, that she was the one who was uh, nestled up against him. And later, uh, I don't, I'll go ahead and say this later, uh, as a, a memento of the Lord being a shepherd and uh, being our shepherd, uh, she gave me uh, a mug and plate mm-hmm. out of, uh, it was Mary Hadley, Kentucky Pottery, and it was a lamb on the mm-hmm. on the mug and on the plate. And? <laughs> and? <laughs> and? And Woody gave that to me yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, was, it meant so much to me, and to know the history of that, and to know that somebody who had discipled you gave it to you. Right. And then you have in so many ways discipled me. And, and to have that picture, to me, I just love about this that we long for Christ's reign and his rule mm-hmm. and his might, but that that is expressed towards us mm-hmm. with this tenderness and this closeness. Mm-hmm. And Gwenny and I were talking yesterday about how we, there is some sense in which judgment and justice and righteousness is really, really important. It's all through scripture. But that can also be scary to us. But to know that the judge is also the one who gathers the lambs mm-hmm. to his breast and mm-hmm. that he holds them close to him. And um, I love I love that, was her name Barbie? Barbie, uh-huh. I love that she said uh, that she was the one that she yeah. needed to be closest to him. She's yeah. on his lap. Yeah. And um, I just love that that picture and that that's the picture that God gives of us uh-huh. with him. Mm-hmm. And I think this would lead us well into then kind of connecting that to how Jesus is pictured in, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And um, Handel's, I'm going to play you all in a moment, and then Gwenny and I will talk about it after I play it, um, this section from Handel's Messiah. Now, if you don't know Handel's Messiah, um, don't you think they should go listen to it, Gwenny? Oh, absolutely. It's my very favorite uh, work of music. And uh, I listen to it every Christmas, but also uh, I listen to it all during the year. Actually, it's in my brain now. And when I read a passage of Scripture Mm -hmm. like Comfort, Oh, Comfort My People, I hear it uh, in my head. What's the tune for the... I can. I knew it was in the hand, and I knew it was in the side, but I can't think what the tune is. Also, yeah, don't make you sing. Don't make me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, and we'll tell you a funny story. We'll tell you a funny story <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Yeah. But um, Handel's Messiah. The the brief history of it is, and Gwen, if I get anything wrong, just tell me. But um, is that Handel wanted to make a piece that um, that traced Jesus in Scripture 
and then in his fulfillment in his life. And so it's um, kind of a drawing together of those themes. And it ends, of course, with the famous Hallelujah Chorus. So it's Hallelujah. If you've heard that, that's Handel's Messiah. But it's one of the greatest pieces of music, I think, full stop in Western, um, Western music. And especially as a believer, yeah. you know, it's just so meaningful because it's all scripture. It is. And it's all about Jesus. <laughs> and it was funny because I had always assumed that everybody grew up listening to it. Mm-hmm. But I was in a class a few years ago and um, the, the professor said, oh, the school bus has just arrived outside <laughs> our window. Um, the professor said, uh, who in here has listened to Handel's Messiah? And it was me and one other person uh-huh. with, and with 20 people there which didn't make me feel superior. It made me feel like, oh my gosh, all these people have listening to Handel's Messiah ahead of them. So much to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, so much to look forward to, so much to enjoy. <laughs> so all this to say, um, I'm gonna play you this section from Handel's Messiah, which uses this passage that we have talked about um, in Isaiah 40, but then it connects it to, is it Matthew 11? Matthew 28. 11, yes. The 30. Uh, which is the passage uh, that Gwenny read. Do you have it there? I do. Uh, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. And now we'll listen to
Oh, isn't it beautiful, Gwenny? It is as beautiful as it ever is. And one thing I love about the song, aside from anything else, is that it's an alto solo. <laughs> I think the alto in Handel's Messiah is like spun gold. And I don't know exactly what I mean by that, but I mean it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's mellow. It's it's golden. It is. Um, what, there's a quote from Madeline Lingle where she said she read a book and she didn't understand it, but she knew what she meant. Uh-huh. And I feel like that when you say that her voice is like spun gold. Uh-huh. I don't understand it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Um, now, before we say anything deep about this, Let's tell the story about, why don't you tell the story about our experience of Handel's Messiah. It's my first memory of, of going to a Messiah. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Joy had come to visit, and it was it was December, and I suppose you were eight then, mm-hmm. uh, and um, you had just had a permanent, maybe your first permanent, and your hair I was curly. first and only. First and only, okay. But... Um, so I had curly hair, if anyone doesn't know what having permanent is. Yeah, right. She she had curls uh, put into her hair. But um, I was going to be going to hear the local performance of the Messiah with a friend. And and I just, uh, I just included Joy because I included her in everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Again, you thought you treated me like a Yeah, person. and, you know, if you hadn't heard it, it would be good for you. Yeah. And so anyway, we were there, and, and the performance was in a, 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 ch- a large church. And so we, we sat there, and uh, uh, into, into the concert a little bit, I felt Joy's head on my shoulder, and she had fallen asleep. And uh, I thought that was great, that she could just <laughs> rest. And, um, and then as, as the ending of, of the performance, as tradition, um, they um, started singing the Hallelujah Chorus. Mm-hmm. And it's also a tradition that everyone stands. So I jostled you, Joy, and you mm-hmm. kind of sleepily looked up at me and, and grinned. And uh, we listened to the Hallelujah Chorus, and then it was over. And then you said to me, uh, I was counting all the women in the choir who had curly hair, and I fell asleep. <laughs> so instead of counting sheep, you were counting women who had had permanents or natural curls. Well, so. and I guess that has some connection to, mm-hmm. to sheep, because they mm-hmm. have curly hair. Yeah, well, that's right. That's a good point. But that's such a sweet memory. I, and I guess it was your first time to hear the Messiah. It's my first time that I remember. And I do, I have a very vivid memory of that. It was kind of a, a, a startling awakening because I don't think I really <laughs> came to until I was standing and everyone was already singing. Right, probably. right. Uh-huh. And um, I've always kind of thought that hopefully the resurrection will be something like uh-huh, that. Like you'll uh-huh. just kind of be like, oh my gosh, uh-huh. everyone will be singing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Another funny anecdote, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but they say that the way that um, that the attrition standing up uh-huh. um, became became so mm-hmm. uh, was because the king at the time was a little bit self-centered. I'm uh-huh. not sure if this is true, but I, this is what I've heard. It was a little kind of pompous and full of himself. And, um, and he thought that the chorus was for him. He thought it was for himself, the king. And so he stood to receive this uh, this chorus. And then because he stood, everyone else had to stand. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we don't know if it was because he was moved by the beauty and um, and wonder of the chorus, or if it was just because he I thought this was what he needed to receive. But I think everyone in their hearts must have been receiving the, right. Christ the King. Not I think it was George the King. Yeah, it was George, uh, and and it is true that that was the the beginning of the tradition of standing. Yeah, and it just seems so right to stand. It does. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's a real experience if you mm-hmm. go and watch it to to have made it it's a long piece of music yes so to make it through that piece of music and then stand with everyone mm-hmm. it's kind of a wonderful embodied thing um so now that you've had that story and that reprieve right. um Gwenny, Gwenny could have all kinds of stories about me so i could <laughs> <laughs> um i remember loving my permanent on a side note i felt like i was a little irish lassie um, I remember feeling that way. You were cer- certainly aware uh, that you had <laughs> curls and wanted to count who else had curls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, anyway. Um, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about this. I thought it was really interesting that Handel would connect this with the old the Isaiah passage with this passage mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. um, the passage that I also read at the beginning yeah. about the shepherd. And... Um, I wondered if, and Gwenny and I were talking about this, if part of it was because of the full context of, I, of this passage in Isaiah, where you get the sense when it's saying comfort, oh comfort, and that's also in the Messiah, uh-huh. um, but that part of the shepherding message is not just the shepherding element, but the sense of, that it's always connected with this sense of kind of like when we've been lost or felt heavy or felt downtrodden, that the mm-hmm. shepherd comes and mm-hmm. cares for us. Mm-hmm. And then in some ways, the come on you who are weary and heavy laden mm-hmm. connects more with the comfort of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I've just been thinking about that and thinking about Jesus coming to us in our weariness and our heaviness mm-hmm. as the shepherd who embraces us, who holds us close to him. And that that's his heart towards us mm-hmm. in that. And um, I also noticed, Gwenny, and this what? has to do with, oh, let me see, if, let me find it. Um, it has to do with what I'm going to ask you about. Okay. But um, when it says, get yourself up on a high mountain. Uh-huh. And so when I told Gwenny about this, uh, that I wanted to do about the Good Shepherd, we just had all of these kind of themes come up. She gave me the lamb uh, plate. We hadn't known we were going to talk about that. Um, and then... We had been talking, and she shared with me something from Hind's Feet on Highest Places. And so I was going to, you can just share about yeah, that. But I, will. I, I just noticed while you were reading it that it had the, this high places, and I had to get you up that. on the high get places. Get you up on the high get places. You <laughs> uh, <laughs> get you up. Get you up. It's a little book uh, that I read many years ago, decades actually, and it was. Uh, it was just a little piece of uh, spiritual formation for me. Mm-hmm. It's an allegory, Hind's Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard. And the story is uh, about a little shepherdess named Much Afraid mm-hmm. who lives in the valley of fear and trembling. <laughs> and uh, she's bullied and uh, just, you know, life is hard for her. And the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, uh, comes down from from the mountains to to visit her, and uh, he wants her to come with him to the high places, and she's uh, too afraid to go yeah. because she's much afraid. But after a, a while, she decides that she will actually go, mm-hmm. 
And she thought that he was going to go with her, but instead he gave her, as she began the journey up to the high places, he gave her two companions. And the companions were sorrow and suffering. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a difficult journey. And uh, there there were many things that happened along the way, but eventually she did reach the high places. And she saw... Uh, the the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, as the king in his glory. And yet, at the, at the same time that she saw him as king, she saw in his face that same shepherd who had been her shepherd all along. And her companions' names had changed from sorrow and suffering to peace and joy. And it's a wonderful allegory. It's very simple. It's not hard to uh, take in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought of that joy yesterday as we were talking about Jesus being the shepherd and how, um, you know, there's so many things that uh, that keep us from wanting to go the way of the shepherd mm-hmm. and uh, things like sorrow and suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is the tender one. He is the the one who gathers us to his bosom, who uh, is is there in the beginning, is there with us all the way, even sometimes when we can't see him, and is there to meet us uh, at the end. You might have just said this, yeah. but I, my brain was going on in different mm-hmm. directions. When uh, Did you say that her companions, when they are led to the high places, are transformed? Into joy. Into joy. Peace and, and joy. Yeah. Peace and joy. Mm-hmm. And um, Gwenny read me the beautiful passage this morning where um, where she reaches the high places and mm-hmm. she greets the king and her companions are changed. And I've just been struck by how all the places we kept on reading about the shepherd, you wouldn't think they would always have to be connected with that sense of fear, mm-hmm. but they always are, the, the fear of, of burdens. Um, but that knowing that following the shepherd... Mm-hmm to these high places means that he can transform these things. Yeah. And that we're able to give him these things because we can trust him, mm-hmm. because we know that he is a good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, I, I read this book by Thomas Merton a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was this part where he talked about, um, about suffering. Mm-hmm. And he said, suffering Suffering is bad. It is not a good thing mm-hmm. in the sense that it's, it's not something that we need to celebrate mm-hmm. or enjoy. But he said that the gift that we receive in Christ is that when we trust him with it, we know that it will not be final and that it will not be wasted, that it will that God will transform yeah, it. Yeah, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. And um, that was kind of the picture to me uh-huh. in Hands Feet on High Places uh-huh. of that... It, it's never to just say, well, suffering's fine. Don't worry about it. No. It's, Ever. It's mm-hmm. costly. It's heavy. But mm-hmm. that when you can trust the good shepherd with it, you know that it will not be um, wasted. Right. That it will not be uh, forgotten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a really moving thing to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think also the idea of a shepherd, someone who guides us, mm-hmm. so often those things, too, are the things that make us feel kind of blinded mm-hmm. or like we don't know how to go forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's when we need a shepherd that is careful and tender with us well and i you know uh we haven't mentioned psalm 23 but but how we uh, it's the most beloved 
portion of scripture probably, yeah. uh, especially in difficult times yeah. or the end yeah. uh, times for people. Yeah. Um, I told you the other day I was, I was, I, it was you I told right that I was sitting on the bus and I couldn't look at my computer. And I, so I started to, because I was kind of feeling car sick and uh-huh. I've been traveling for eight hours already. So I just sat in the bus and I started remembering everything that I could remember. Uh-huh. And one of the things that came to my mind was Psalm 23. Yes. Because it was so sketched in my heart. Uh-huh. Um, and I love that that is one of the main images of himself that God gives to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. The tender one that leads us, mm-hmm. um, that cares for us. Yes. And... Um, and it, it just brings up so many, there's so much richness there mm-hmm. and so many scriptures. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about even, you know, the passage where it says Jesus is, uh, or he's a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. all of this tenderness in yes. Jesus. Um, but I also love that in Hind's feet, it's tied with him being the king. Right, right. You know, that it's the king who mm-hmm. brings glory, but mm-hmm. is also the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any little last things before I start bringing up the next um, no, I am. My mind's over over in Psalm twenty three. But uh, you have any thoughts about Psalm twenty three? Well, just that uh, it's a great place to go. I uh, my mom wanted that read at her mm-hmm. funeral, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people turn to that. Uh, and uh, the end of uh, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, I will be I will be with you. Yeah. Uh, and surely, for sure. Goodness and mercy will follow you all of the days of your life. And so beautiful. And I think that, you know, we were thinking about the, the statue you're telling me about. Mm-hmm. And so as we were talking about that, and the statue wasn't of lambs. No, but it uh, some I, It connects it, in our minds. It's as if they, it was lambs because that's yeah. how, how I connected it when we were talking. And then but, I thought, no, it was children, not lambs. But I think that the same way that children have to kind of trust in a parent mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be guided into yeah. all things, those images are kind of connected in my mind. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to bring up our last example, which is a, uh, I call it my visual example. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a movie. And Gwenny, <laughs> it's a really sad movie. So be forewarned and maybe don't watch it if you're someone who's affected really deeply by sad movies. But Gwenny and I both... We like sad movies, yeah. whereas Sally, Mama, <laughs> Mama to Joy, does not. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, she always says she's Pollyanna, and um, I think that came partly from my grandfather. He he didn't like sad movies. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think he'd been through World War II. He'd been through uh-huh. the Depression. He yeah. didn't watch sad movies. Yeah. But Gwenny and I both um, like sad movies. I think for me, I don't know about you, it's because it tells the truth about some parts of life. That's exactly it. It's it's real. And uh, I'm yeah, I can I can relate more, I guess, to it's kinda why I've always liked Ash Wednesday mm-hmm. because I always like somebody marking my forehead and say, From dust you come, dust you like <laughs> And there's something that was kind of a relief to me about someone saying it out loud. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we sort of know that and, yeah. and we know that there are lots of, of hard things in life and yeah. Some people don't like to watch it because there are hard things in yeah, life. Yeah, and it, I understand it, that. I understand that, too. But to me, it's just entering in with uh, with the human condition. Yeah. So all that to say, um, this movie, and this is part of what kind of came to me in a moment when I wanted to do this passage, 
what it's a movie called Manchester by the Sea, and um, I think it won quite a few Academy Awards a few years ago. And it's this really, um, it's really a very simple movie about um, about one man's very tragic life. Um, and I won't tell the whole story, but he does have a very tragic life. But the thing that you find out within the first three minutes is that his brother has died, um, and his brother is this dear person to him. And but it's in the cold, cold, cold of winter in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can't bury his brother because the gar- the heart, the ground is too hard. And so we follow him, uh, and his brother's left his son to, to take care of, um, and he's asked that he be the guardian. Uh, and this is complicated for him for numerous reasons. Um, but we, we go in the story with him uh, from the deep, deep, deep part of winter into the spring when they can finally bury his brother. And... Um, and through this, you see a lot of the deep sorrows in his life and the things that seem insurmountable and the griefs that kind of feel like he could never get over almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you come to the scene, uh, and you'd have to watch it to kind of feel the fullness of it, where he, it's finally his brother's funeral. And I was watching a little review of the movie, and they said that they noticed that the movie never manipulates your feelings in this way. It doesn't go close to people's faces when mm-hmm. they're crying or when mm-hmm. they're... It always kind of pulls back like you're sitting in the corner of the room mm-hmm. watching things. And the scene at the funeral is like that. It doesn't zoom in on people with tears running down their face. It's just a church. And um, and playing over this scene is is this Messiah piece. Of, he shall lead his flock. He shall lead his flock. And he shall gather them in his arms and hold them against mm-hmm. his bosom. And then and then with that come all you who are weary and mm-hmm. heavy laden. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because if you didn't hear if you didn't think about the words, mm-hmm. that the significance of that I think could slip past you. Mm-hmm. But to me, when Sarah and I watched it, we talked about it afterwards, that was just such a compelling picture to me. Mm-hmm. Because we can talk about Jesus is a shepherd and Jesus coming to us in our grief. But watching that movie, mm-hmm. seeing this character who really is, you know, the Isaiah passage starts with speak. Uh, comfort. Comfort. Mm-hmm. Oh, comfort. Speak yeah. kindly for their warfare is over. Mm-hmm. And this character has been through. He has been through it. Warfare. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to have this song playing over him to say. Yeah. And to think that that is God's heart mm-hmm. for that character. I, li- I like how you said the song was playing over him because I think mm-hmm. that's that's as an an observer that's what you see, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like God singing over us. Yeah, yeah, and so that just did something for yeah. me. Yeah, it it kind of I think sometimes seeing someone else. Yes. And seeing yes. and knowing sometimes when you watch a movie and mm-hmm. I when I watch that movie I. <laughs> Sometimes I'll want to pray for characters in uh-huh, movies, even yeah. though I'm perfectly aware that they're characters in movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when I watched that movie, I just felt such deep compassion for him. Right. And you knew the burden of guilt that he mm-hmm. carried and the burden mm-hmm. of grief. And when you hear that song, I go, yes, that mm-hmm. is how God feels about mm-hmm. you. And I wish you could receive mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And the whole movie is, part of it, is partially about how it's hard mm-hmm. for him to receive that. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing that can can kind of help me know 
that that is how God feels towards me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I was thinking about this Christmas season, and, you know, Gwen and I have talked about how it can be a time of great joy and celebration, Mm -hmm. but it can also be a time of of heaviness. Um, For many people, whether you've lost someone or... Mm -hmm. You carry things in your heart, or it's usually a mix. Yeah, and uh, it's even though we're supposed, it's supposed to be, we're told uh, by society, just this happy, happy, happy time. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, I mean, it's a mixture. Because life is a mixture. Because life is a mixture, and that's why we like sad movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but to know that a part of Advent is celebrating the coming of that shepherd. Yes. Who draws us into mm-hmm. his breast. That, it's, mm-hmm. that that his coming is all wrapped up in that confusion. Yeah. And his coming is to, to comfort a comfort. Mm-hmm. And that just meant a lot to me as mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that. And I think that's why I wanted to pass this. That's why I wanted to talk about this, because I wanted to give that. It's a rich thing to meditate on. Anytime, but it seems it seems fitting. Fitting uh, somehow, it just seems fitting at this time of year. Yeah, and to know that you know we talk about all these other things that we're anticipating in the coming of Christ um, and the prophecies that are richly there, but to know that one of the central prophecies, yes, it's the King, yes, it's the Light, yes, it's the Justice, but it's also the Shepherd mm-hmm. who comes to hold mm-hmm. us close to Him. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on that? Or I probably will as the as the hours pass, but uh, for the podcast, no, I don't okay. think so. Well, Gwenny and I have festivities to enjoy. <laughs> um, she has promised me a little treat, haven't you, Gwenny? Yes. Um, can you tell them I, what it is? Can no, you tell me what well, it is? No, I'm reaching back, though, and celebrating birthdays that uh, I haven't been able to celebrate with you, so... Yeah. We're combining several. Well, it has been a treasure to me. It's been so... Aben House is just a little outpost of, of beauty and warmth. I was telling Gwenny today uh, that I, I took a walk around the neighborhood, and I peeked in all the different little churches just because there's a lot of churches right here. There are. <laughs> like a shocking amount. <laughs> one, one block in every direction, and you'd be in a church. And one of the churches I peeked into was this little Catholic church. And... Um, and it was closed up, it was cold, it was raining, but there was one little candle burning merrily in the thing. And I thought, I wonder who lit that. And I thought, Gwenny's house is like a candle in a rainy world. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's this immense life within uh, that I'm getting to enjoy and partake in. So now that I've made you all jealous. Well, and my house is filled with joy. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> and um, so, Gwenny, thank you for being persuaded to talk with me it's an honor i love you and uh i'll do whatever you want me to (laughs) (laughs) Um, blessings to all of you um and i am wishing you a beautiful and thoughtful and comforted week know that god is your shepherd that he cares for you and that he longs to gather you unto his bosom and with that um we're going to go eat something yummy and enjoy each other's presence so happy advent (laughs) 